Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody and welcome along to a special programme here on the Radio Show Limited network of audio and video channels. I'm John Hindoff and in this show we're going to be talking about Japanese motor racing, specifically Japanese GT racing in all its various forms. Now the good news for you is it's not going to be me who gives you all of the news because frankly, that would make it a very short show. And I'm delighted to say that joining us is someone who knows far more than me and probably more than pretty much anyone else on the planet about this very specific form of motor racing. He is the founder and editor of Super GT World. Welcome to RJ O'Connell. RJ, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm delighted. I'm very honoured. I'm a little vulnerable. And I thank you so much for having me on this evening. Our listeners will now realise um, from your accent that uh, you are from the USA. And I think, first of all, we should talk about your interest in Japanese motor racing. How did you get embroiled in all this to start with? Well, I think like most people's in my age, their love for cars started with Games like Gran Turismo and Forza Motorsport. Mm -hmm. Games that featured the cars of what was then the All Japan GT Championship from the late 90s and early 2000s. And when I saw these games for the first time and I saw these cars, I'm like, these are so cool. And I love to actually one day see the series in which they race because growing up in the Southeast United States is always NASCAR, IndyCar, mm -hmm. F1 maybe, but nothing like this and as childhood became adulthood i realized there were ways i could follow this and as i was starting to become you know a person who didn't really want to know what they did with their lives i decided <laughs> you know why not just pick this up because i realized that there was a big market for people to know more about the series yeah, but hang on a second, because we, we've covered this in the past, and we've done some of the, the streaming video when we were hooked up with Andy Palmer and Darren Cox at, at Nismore, and we did some of the streaming video for it. And it's not easy, because even just finding timing streams that aren't in the local language, that aren't in Japanese characters, you know, most languages around the world you can have a stab at, and numbers and letters look roughly similar with people's names but this is not the case with Japanese racing and and it is such a national sport it really is did you know that Super GT's live timing app is one of the few that's still behind a paywall and still only <laughs> iOS exclusive <laughs> and it operates in the same software as the Super Formula live timing app which go. is available for Android and is free to use mm. now, I do get what you're saying though um, obviously, it's it's more of a national championship. Super GT is their most popular national championship. Only the F1 Japanese Grand Prix, only the Sits Hours of Fuji, only MotoGP in Japan really upstages it. Mm. It brings in the most attendance, where you have 100,000 spectators on the Golden Week holiday for the Fuji 500 kilometers. It's a big deal, and only just in the last few years has there really been a dedicated loyal audience that's popped up outside of japan yeah. abroad that really appreciates them and starting to really get ingrained into the culture of the sport yeah as it stands now there are two distinctive championships within what we would call it endurance racing in japan in their national endurance series the super g team we'll get onto that in the moment but we had Darren Turner on Midweek Motorsport a couple of weeks ago talking about him popping across to do the Super Taiki series, which perhaps is the lesser known of the of the two uh, and, and employs uh, a more globalist uh, formula in some respects because their GT3 cars uh, are at the forefront uh, of of that class structure but that that is very much a pro-am series whereas super gt is pro-pro isn't it 
Super Taiku, formerly the N1 Endurance Championship, yes. was based on the races of the Nürburgring 24 Hours and the VLN. So if you like VLN, if you like the Nürburgring 24 Hours, and if you like the 24-hour series and its many derivatives, then I think you would really enjoy <laughs> the Pirelli Super Taiku series. First of all, I know because I've been out there for WAC, but endurance racing is something that the Japanese have in their culture that is very important to them. Indeed it is. You know, this this Super Taiku Championship is actually older than the Super yes. GT series that exists today. It is older than the Japan race promotion that runs Super Formula, formerly known mm -hmm. as Formula Nippon. It's been around a while, and the races, I'll tell you, they are top quality competition between amateur, semi-professional, and professional teams and drivers. Um, and to tell you just how much the series has grown just within the last year, in 2017, they reported annual attendance for all the rounds of 80,000 spectators. Wow. In 2018, that shot up to the first time over 100,000 spectators wow. for all six rounds. The Suzuka Super Endurance five-hour event was the the first race. Um, Darren Turner went out there to join D-Station, who were competing in Aston Martin, who are back uh, with a new Vantage. And not only did they turn up, D-Station, big name out there, but they won overall on their debut with the Aston Martin. That was a big story. Indeed it was. The first ever victory for that Generation 2 yeah. Vantage GT3. And, of course, Darren Turner, he was a star as he closed out the final two hours of the race. Wow. But I'll tell you that Satoshi Hoshino and Tsubasa Kondo did very well in their own right. Kondo is one of a number of young Japanese drivers who maybe, okay, they're not affiliated with a big factory like Honda or Toyota. Mm -hmm. But Tsubasa Kondo is a driver, a very good young driver. He's a two-time Porsche Carrera Cup champion. Uh, he's a multi-time champion of the Toyota 86 Cup. Um, he's a very, very good young driver, and he put in two solid stints yeah. in this race. And Satoshi Hosino, you'll see him at Le Mans with Dempsey Proton competition, did a stint in the second hour that will really give him confidence as he yeah. battled with another one of the gentleman drivers, Terahiko Hamano, in the GTNet Motorsports Nissan. Yeah. Which was really good entertainment. Now, now they were a pole position qualifier, the GTNet Motorsports Nissan. And between GTNet and Team Tairoku, the Ferrari, Harrison Newey, by the way, driving that car, they both had incidents that took them out of the race. But it's endurance. You've got to be there at the end. Absolutely. And for GTNet Motorsports, they did well at Suzuka in recent years. They were going for their fifth win in Super Taiku at Suzuka in the last six years. Started well taking pole position. 23-year-old Kyoto Fujinami, another top-quality driver, former Nissan development driver, did a fantastic job in the opening stint. And Hamano-san was going good until about the second hour of the race, when he and one of the ST4-class Toyota 86s got into it coming out of Spoon Corner, the 86 <laughs> was written off, and the GTR suffered suspension damage that took them out of contention. Should I also mention, by the way, that was the 86 from the rookie racing team, and that car was notable because it was to have featured in their driving lineup one Akio Toyota, CEO of Toyota Motor Company. Oh. As I said, Harrison Newey was in the Ferrari of Team Tyroku. They've they crashed out in the third hour. Huge amount of cl classes here, by the way. There's a GT4 or STZZ, as you would say, including the KTM Cars uh, Japan Crossbow. But it was a Mercedes AMG GT4 that dominated the race and won the class. Yes, indeed. Uh, coming out of the first preseason test at Fuji Speedway, it looked like the endless sports Mercedes-AMG GT4 with Yudo Aichida. Yudo Aichida might be the best gentleman driver in all the top classes. Really? And when you pair him with Subaru ace driver Hideki Amauchi and young Tsubasa Takahashi, a former Honda junior, well, they took the lead at the second lap of the race and never really looked back. And it certainly hurt the KTM's cause when they had trouble in the pits and really lacked for pace outside of their qualifying run. Uh, so it was a fairly routine win in the first true battle of GT4 and Super Taiku. It took a couple of years for the class to yes. catch on, but it has caught on. We do have multiple full season entries, and 
the series is going to be much better for it. We were sort of denied a, a, maybe a three-way battle because the Techno Ginetta, the Techno First Racing Team Ginetta G55, a fantastic little car, they had a nasty crash and, and actually didn't make the race. Didn't even make it to Saturday free practice or qualifying, and that was a shame because that car was to have featured the star of their lineup, four-time Super Formula champion and three-time GT500 champion Satoshi Motoyama in the first race after his retirement from GT500 competition, but he is not completely done racing yet, as this entry would have proven. It's a shame that they did not even make it to the qualifying sessions. We should mention as well, there's... there's as I say, multiple classes. There is a TCR class, Audi. We're used to seeing them winning. They took a 1-2 finish. But it was a bit of a controversial battle for the second place. Ah, uh, yes. So, as <laughs> Audi team... Ah, uh, yes, were, he says, very diplomatically, Archie. We'll start with the winning team, Audi Team Mars. They did a fantastic job. It's their second season. Their star drivers are a couple of former single-seater guys, Masanobu Kato and Masato Shimayama. And it was Kato who put in a brilliant final leg of the race, saving fuel wherever he possibly could to get them to their first victory. But the story of the final 20, 20 minutes of the race was the battle for second between the birth racing project Audi, at that time driven by Takeshi Matsumoto, and the two-time and defending champions, Mojolo Racing with Dome, their Honda Civic Type R, driven by one of Honda's young drivers, Hiroki Otsu. Yeah. And as they were battling, they came into contact at turn one. They both drove through the gravel, and Otsu seemed to come away the better through it on the track, only to be penalized just after the race and demoted to third, and then penalized again and demoted down to fourth. Yeah, that put KCMG Honda, including Matt Housen, up a position fantastic opening race bit of controversy some great racing uh, and super taiku of course continues throughout the year and we look forward to seeing dt going out there for a couple of selected races as well remember there's a stream for that look it up it's not that difficult to find i even i found it however the big draw as far as endurance series is concerned, has to be the Autobox Super GT series. And as we look at the start of the season, the NSX GT won the championship for Honda for the first time since 2010. And that, that was a long time coming. And Honda didn't like not having won a championship for that long. Four victories, six pole positions with the mid-engined NSX GT. And it's important to say that because there are a number of different configurations of cars and there's a tyre war as well. Let's look at Honda first. How do you rate Honda's chances of defending their championship? A number of different teams, uh, including, of course, Naoki Yamamoto and Jensen Button coming back as defending champions in the classic colours of rear brig in the NSX. Goodness, their first championship in nearly a quarter century. They've worked <laughs> so long to do it. And finally, the one in 100 has finally been realized. And here's the thing about this team last year. It was clearly Yamamoto was the star driver and Button was kind of getting acclimated to sports car racing. But towards the end of the year, you could tell that Jensen Button was starting to improve his pace and his race craft. That came through in the fort when he held off Rio Hirakawa in a terrific duel and a fight to the finish that ultimately decided the championship of Motegi. Now Jensen Button says he's a lot more confident. He's willing to take a lot more chances. And... When you consider how well they did in 2018 with a driver that was still kind of learning the ropes, on paper you have to think, wow, they should be the favorites to defend, but it's not always that easy in a series that is designed around competitive balance and parity. You know, uh, consistency is the key, and the uh, Autobacks racing team, Aguri, Arta, A-R-T-A, -A, uh, they had a couple of race wins, three poles, and they've kept their drivers from last year for Honda. Yes, indeed. Tomoki Nojiri has won five pole positions by himself just within the last two years. He might be one of the most underrated talents in GT500. And Taki Ozawa had a great resurgence in form because he was the driver who was displaced from Team Kunimitsu to make way for Jensen Button. Mm. And many people wondered, what was this team going to do? They hadn't really been championship contenders in a number of years. And they were serious title contenders all the way throughout the season. And I would expect them to do so again in 2019. 
let's move on to Team Mugen, another classic name as far as Honda is concerned. Uh, the drivers are the same, but there's a new team director, and a new team director with a name that our listeners should recognise. That would be two-year F1 veteran, former IndyCar and Kart World Series driver, and multi-time Le Mans starter and <laughs> Asian Le Mans Series champion, Shinji Nakano taking over as team principal for Team Mugen, not just on GT500, but Super Formula as well. Oh, right. But on the GT500 side of things, they've kept their veteran drivers, Hideki Muto and Daisuke Nakajima, the younger brother of Kazuki. It's been a tough go for them in the first two years of their GT500 return. They, of course, are the only Honda team on the Yokohama tires. Kunimitsu, Arda, and the Nets team we'll talk about are on Bridgestones, as well as another team, the only team in the class, on Dunlops. That's Kahin Rail Racing. Bertie Breadstick, Bertram Baguette, comes in to partner a driver who has plenty of experience. And this is going to be, I think this is an interesting partnership, actually. Kodai Sukakoshi has spent the entirety of his GT500 career with real racing, driving under team director Katsutomo Kaneishi himself, a former racing driver. And that was the team that had waited a long time between their first and their second wins. They got a win at the season opening round last year at Okayama. But in Bertrand Baguette coming over after five seasons with Nakajima Racing, winning the 2017 Suzuka 1000 kilometer, now with a team that is probably better equipped for a consistent championship challenge, yes. there's a lot of excitement around what Tsukakoshi and Baguette can do together as a cohesive unit. Yeah, I, I really think that that's a pairing that needs to be be looked at and considered very, very seriously. What about Nakajima Racing? Modulo Nakajima Racing. There's there's a bit of a there's a bit of a reset with that team. Well they are the only team in the class on Dunlop tires, which is a bit of a blessing, of course, because you get all yep. the exclusive perks, but it's also a curse because you have no other teams to bounce off of. Mm -hmm. They have only won one race in the last decade and it was that twenty seventeen Suzuka one thousand kilometers. They have hit reset with Bertrand Baguette off to Real Racing and Kosuke Metsura off to GT300. They brought in a new lineup. Narenkar the KN is not new to motor racing, but he is new to GT500. So he's making his series debut at the age of 42 years old, but there's a lot of interest around his driving partner, Tadasuke Makino, who was a driver that came up through the ranks, was Honda, was one of Honda's great young drivers. Yes actually on his GT500 debut in Thailand in 2016, scored a podium Yes, darn near curled won that race. He spent the last two years in Europe in Formula 3 and was a feature race winner in Formula 2 at Monza. And now he's back in Japan doing GT500 and Super Formula. Did well at the Fuji test. Um, it's always tough to predict with Nakajima racing. You know, the consistent success certainly has not been there, but... With with Makino-san leading them, you know they, they've got to have hope that things can turn around. Yeah, I I, I can't believe you've just said Noreen Carthakens forty two. That's just scared the life out of me. Uh, let's move on to Lexus Toyota. Of course, it's the last year for for Lexus and the LC because the new Supra will be next up in twenty twenty, and it will be branded as a Toyota Supra. That's a huge change of direction for Toyota and Lexus. If you believe in progression, and Shea Adam would certainly be lapping this stat up, which you gave me. I have to say that I, I haven't looked this up, you have. But the predecessor Lexus SC and the Lexus RCF both won titles in their final season. So that's a good omen, at least for Lexus, for the LC this year. Toyota Toms, sorry, Lexus Toms. See, I, I can't. I can't even think of it as Lexus Toms, but it's still Toms, isn't it? Uh, Masanoya Sakaya, executive advisor of the two-car team. That's a promotion for him this year. What do we reckon to the 37 Toms LC500? This is the Keeper Toms LC500 of Rio Hirakawa and Nick Cassidy, who, in my opinion, are two of the best young sports car drivers. Hell, maybe two of the best young drivers in any discipline. And they don't even turn 25 until later this year. Uh, they won the championship in 2017. They just missed out on 2018. Sekia was their team principal uh, last season. He's now been promoted up to executive advisor of the whole program. So that gives 
one of Tom's longtime engineers, Jun Yamada, the chance to be their new team director. And they look confident coming out of preseason testing. Um, the Letsis's the Letsi looked quite strong. Um, some of their cars did top the times, especially at Fuji, which is Toyota's home ground. Yes. Um, and I have no reason to believe that Hirakawa and Cassidy will not be championship fixtures t- 2019. Both drivers just brimming with talent and so many championships to come. Good health willing, of course. But first of all, they've got to beat their teammates in the 36. Kaz Nakajima, who we all know from winning Le Mans, and Yuhi Sekiguchi. Is that how I Yuhi, say that? Yuhi Sekiguchi, Sekiguchi who yeah. might be... For my money, one of the most explosive and exciting drivers <laughs> in the championship. In a good way or a bad way, yeah. or sometimes is it both? Well, I will tell you that he has tempered his edge a little bit as he approaches his early 30s. But when he is on form, he is one of the most fearless overtakers. He is a ruthless competitor, and he will give his all for the team to win the championship. What about the Zent team? Because they have got one of the most experienced drivers there. Although he's taking a slightly different role this year. Yes, Yuji Tachikawa is starting his 21st consecutive season as the lead driver at Letsis Team Zet Ceremo. That alone is very impressive. Mm. But this offseason, he was named the team director. So he is effectively the player and coach of this number 38 ZLC 500. And of course, Tachikawa has won championships as a super formula team director. So he knows what he is doing. And two of those three championships came with his co-driver in the 38 car, two-time super formula champion Hiroki Ishiura, who is a driver who just seems to be getting better with age. Yeah, Uh, it's tough to, to, to pick a top team from this lot. And if we go on, we've got still got three Lexus teams to talk about. Uh, what about Team Waco's uh, options for this year? They've got a couple of decent peddlers, haven't they? The guys behind the wheel are young in some respects, but experienced in others. Absolutely indeed. Uh, of course, this team uh, now featuring 23-year-old Toyota Young Driver Program's hot prospect, exactly. Kenta Yamashita, who started Macau a couple of years ago, Japanese F3 champion, race winner in GT300. It's his second full season in GT500. He's moving over from the Wet Sport Bondo team to join Team Lamar, replacing Felix Rosenquist. He has a very experienced but still very young co-driver in Kazuya Oshima, who's only going to turn 32 this year, but he's already been in GT500 for what seems like ages. Forever, ages. yes. Yeah, they were uh, they were quick in preseason testing at Okayama and Fuji, led two of the four days between those four days of official testing as well. That's a team to watch, especially with three-time GT500 champ Juichi Wakasaki at the helm of the operation. So he knows how to win championships as well. Team Saad, another classic uh, name from GT500. Heike Kovalainen is still there, but how the heck do they replace someone like Kamui Kobayashi, who went to the WEC. Well, they replace him with another one of Toyota's young driver prospects. 27-year-old Yuichi Nakayama has been really, really waiting for a chance like this. He's won seven races over the last four seasons in GT300, and it almost looked like he was going to get passed up for this chance altogether. But with Kobayashi deciding he wants to do WEC and Super Formula only this season, that opened up a chance for Yuichi Nakayama, who is another Formula 3 champion, who's raced Super Formula, been a title contender in GT300. I think he and Kovalainen, who is entering his fifth season already, it's it's crazy to say, but I think they're going to get along well. They've not had trouble winning races since winning the title in 2016. It's the consistency piece that's been missing the last two years. It's a similar story at Wed Sport Team Banto because they're looking at single-seated drivers as well. And in, in fairness, that... That is a story that is repeated throughout GT500 because the GT500, the Super GT Championship, runs alongside Super Formula. I've often heard drivers say to me, they drive Super Formula for the money. They do GT500, if they can get a drive, for the fun of it. But these drivers tend to do, they tend to be multidisciplined, don't they? 
That indeed. I should also point out Team Bondo are the only Lexus team on the Yokohama tires. Ah. Everyone else has Bridgestones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But this year is going to be big for them because Toyota are promoting 23 year old Shosu Boy to his first full time GT500 drive. Last year in the All Japan Formula 3 Championship, Shosu Boy won a record 17 of his 19 races. And he did that while running well and taking pole positions in GT300, winning his class in Super Taikyu. He is another cannot miss star of the future that Toyota's young driver program has produced. And he's alongside the 2016 Super Formula Champion, Yuji Kunimoto, as well. Is, is it unusual for somebody that young to get a call to the GT500s? Well, I'll tell you that Toyota is looking even younger still because Kazuki Nakajima, let's backtrack, of course, he won't be at the Fuji 500 kilometers because that clashes with the WEC six hours yep. of Spa-Francorchamps. Yep. But in testing, they have tested yet another Toyota young driver <laughs> in 19-year-old Ritomo Miata. He is he was runner-up to Savoy last year in Formula 3. He is expected to be the title favorite. He is another terrific young driver. Two-time Japanese F4 champion in 20, uh, 2016 and 17 as well. Yeah, Obviously, we haven't talked about Nissan yet. We'll go on to the third big Japanese manufacturer. Before we do, RJ, we've got to talk about the formula for Super GT and DTM coming closer together. There's two crossover races this year. For those two crossover races, I should explain that there's going to be a balance of performance. The idea is the two crossover races will be a bridge to an identical technical formula, which will mean manufacturers will be able to swap and change between the two or indeed run parallel programs in the very near future. This is something, this is almost the holy grail of Class 1 touring car racing, and it looks like it might happen. It is set to happen. We will have the first Super GT versus DTM special exchange race. Uh, the tagline, be witness to the first step in Japan-Europe race unification. That will happen Saturday, November 23rd and Sunday, November 24th at Fuji International Speedway. It will be divided into two sprint races, sending 12 teams from GT500 and 12 teams from the DTM. They'll all be on control hand-cooked tires. Mm. They'll all drive for just about an hour with no driver changes. Um, in fact, the some of the GT500 manufacturers were actually testing at the Hankook, uh, the Hankook tires at Fuji, of course, all top secret. Not even the Japanese press were allowed to take pictures really? of these testing. So uh, it's suspected that, you know, that control tires will cost the GT500s about three to four seconds a lap. But they have the advantage in aero at Fuji Speedway. It's really going to be fascinating to see what names they pull from both sides. And of course, there will be some GT500 representation. It's not a full crossover race in Europe. No. Uh, Honda, Lexus, and Nissan will send one car each to the final round of the DTM season on the weekend of 5 6 October at Hockenheim Ring. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see the demos at Hockenheim Ring a couple of seasons ago when I was there doing some work with Audi and experiencing the, the DTM and they were fantastic. They turned everything up to 11. There was three feet flames coming out of the cars on downshift uh, it was absolutely magnificent can't can't wait for that let's talk about nissan let's talk about nissan because there's been more than a, a little bit of shuffling around in terms of the the backroom stuff and you might say rj that they kind of needed it just a couple of wins in the last two seasons and that is not what Nissan wanted. And therefore, there's had to be fairly drastic action. They've appointed a new executive director of the GT500 program in Motohiro Matsumura, and he has a new executive advisor in the aforementioned Satoshi Motoyama after 22 seasons stepping away as a full-time GT500 driver. But he has stressed in interviews since his retirement ceremony in Yokohama that he is not completely done driving just yet. But for now... He's done with the top class of the series. And he wasn't the only departure uh-huh. from this. From this, I mean, Katsumasa Chio is not even in the series. He, of course, is driving in the Intercontinental GT Challenge. I saw him with at Bathurst. And, he, and he's, yes. he's a massive figure. He's an absolute 
beast behind the wheel of anything he drives. And when he was driving the uh, Nismo GTR at Bathurst, the locals love him, we love him. He, he's box office, and, and yet he's not in the series. It's amazing. Chio even said after the announcement came to be that, you know, he said he didn't feel like his driving was up to standards. I watched those races, and I know last year was tough for him and Motoyama, mm -hmm. but it wasn't all necessarily their fault. And the same thing with J.P. Oliveira. Well, he was a rising star. We were expecting to see him in the sort of stillborn Nismo um, GT1 program. He's, he's been touted for a long time by those that know him as the next big thing, possibly even a single-seater driver being pushed into the European single-seater field. And, you know, and, and where is he going to be this year? J.P. Oliveira will be with the D-Station Racing Team and their new Aston Martin Vantage in the GT300 category. Right. So he's still got a good top-quality drive in a, in a field, which I know GT300 may be the second class in terms of prestige, but it is not second-rate competition. And we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a, a little flick through the GT300 because that's the, um, for the most part, there's a, there's a lot of GT cars there that our listeners will understand. All right, those are the people who have gone. Who have Nismo kept hold of? Well, first of all, the guy who's got the best record in the series and a four-time GT500 uh, champion as well are paired up in the Motul red car, the GTR. That is the Nismo flagship team, yep. Sugio Matsuda, 20 career victories, the winningest driver in GT500 history, and the sport's only four-time Premier Class champion, Ronnie Kintarelli, uh, working under team principal Yutaka Suzuki. It's a big year for Matsuda and Kintarelli because, you know, they came close to a, fourth to a third title together in 2016. Uh, you know, they feel like they were the class of the field in 2017 and 18 as Nissan on the whole struggled. Mm. Both of them turned 40 this year. You never know if this will be their last chance to compete for a title. Though certainly the way they've been driving, you know, they, they, they've still got it, in my opinion. What about the blue car, the Calsonic car? I mean, we, we're talking again, if we're talking about the Matul car and the Calsonic cars, they again are the classic game cars that that we've all had down through the years the blue car this year the calsonic team impul uh, james rossiter coming back and he, he's got an, another returnee as his partner so the blue car was the quickest over <laughs> both tests at okayama and fuji that caused a bit of consternation didn't it because you said that the, the red car is the flagship car Mm -hmm. And the and Nismo and Team Impul, Kazuyoshi Hoshino's team, um, they've had battles on and off the track. It's a constant hmm. game of tug of war between which team is the best in the Nissan fleet. And James Rossiter, you know, he spent his entire GT500 career up to this point with Lexus and Toyota. Yes. Now he moves to Nissan because this is his way back into GT500. Right. But he's got a great young driver in Daiki Sasaki who has won multiple races with Kondo Racing. He returns having driven for this team in 2018. Um, he is another massively underrated young driver, even amongst the great young drivers that the yep. manufacturers have given us over the last few years. Condor Racing, we had Jan Mardenborough on the show a couple of three weeks ago when he was, actually it's a bit longer than that now, uh, when he was announced to be going into another season of Super GT and he's he's teamed with another exciting young driver. They're both the Nissan Edam Formula E Reserve driver, Jan, telling us all about how, how much that sim work is important. Uh, Mitsunori Takaboshi is alongside him. Their tyres aren't the same, perhaps, as, as some of the other teams. They are the only Nissan team on the Yokohama. On the Yokohama. Um, and is that going to hurt them or is it going to help them? Well, I would say looking at some of the results that I saw through preseason testing that I think they're getting along fine. On paper, <laughs> this is a very good lineup. Tis. You have the last of the GT Academy graduates in Bardenborough. You have the last of Nissan's own Japanese de driver development program, Mitsunori Takaboshi. Both 
incredibly young, incredibly talented drivers. Condor Racing have not been a championship player in GT500 throughout their existence, but with this duo, I think that might change. Final Nissan team, NDT, NDDP Racing, easy for me to say, with BMAX. This is another big change around here. Right. If you looked only at the car and you looked only at their Michelin tires, they, along with Nismo, have exclusive partnership with Michelin. You might think everything is the same, but everything behind the scenes is different. (laughs) They have a new team director, Toshikazu Tanaka, replacing the retiring Masahiro Hasemi. And they have two brand new drivers. Motoyama stepped down. Chio has stepped aside in their place. We have really a blockbuster in Kohei Hirate. He's a two-time GT500 champion. And he's come over from Toyota. This is a huge story. He's been there for a decade and a half. Yes, he's been there ever since he got out of karting. Toyota (laughs) gave him a GP2 drive. They've backed him through both of his GT500 titles. But after they had no more room for him after 2017, he decided to shop around for other opportunities and now finds his way back in the top class with Nissan. How does that how does that sit with the fan base? Who who do they side with there? Because loyalty, we talk about endurance being something that the Japanese culture holds very high, but so does loyalty and honor. So does does the fan base sort of go with him and move to Nissan, or does those who perhaps followed him at Toyota go, Ooh, you're dead to us now, you've moved on to the to the competition? I'd say, and maybe it might be a language barrier that, you know, manufacturer-centered GT500 fans aren't as tribalistic as NASCAR supercars. Right. Okay. But it, it is a big change for Hirate-san. And again, he's still only going to turn 33 this year. He has a lot of, of potential to win another title. And he's paired up with a driver who knows how to win. And we know him very well. We've spent plenty of time with him. And that's Fred Marco, Fred Markovecki, uh, who, well, he's won in everything he's driven so far. And he's used to driving with big manufacturers. Yes, the Mako Shark is back in the waters of Japan. (laughs) Last race here with Honda from 2013 to 14. Won the Suzuka 1000 kilometers, but took some time away, of course, after he signed the big deal with Porsche. But he's still going to be with Porsche, but now he's going to be full-time with Nissan in 2019. And my goodness, what what a coup this is for a team that really needs a shot in the arm to pick their hopes up after a tough 2018 season. Is that a shock to you in particular that a a manufacturer as big as Porsche would allow one of their factory drivers in some of the biggest races? You know, he was, uh, he's he's won the Nürburgring 24, he's won Sebring, he's won Petit Le Mans for Porsche. Uh, that is allowed to go to, well, is Nissan a competitor, Mark? I don't know. But has gone to a competitor, at least, uh, to go and race in a, in a championship. Whilst I accept that Porsche aren't involved in the GT500 championship, it, it is still a marketplace that they're competing. It's not unprecedented, but as Lauderer, Trellier, yes. Duval were starting to yes. find success at Le Mans with Audi, eventually Good their point. time in GT500 came to an end. Um, Makaweki, you know, when I saw him show up at a private test in Fuji in December as Nissan were starting to evaluate their massive changes, I thought, it's great that he's here. Would he actually sign? And as it turns out, he's here now. Uh, That's the three big manufacturers uh, who will scrap out the Autobach Super GT uh, 500. But of course, we've got GT 300 as well, um, with a, a mix of cars that have the, what's what's called the mother chassis silhouette cars, and also cars that our listeners might be more familiar with, GT3 cars as well. H- how does that work out, and how does the balance of performance work? Well, it's 
it's very interesting to see how this works with this not just being your cookie cutter bot mm-hmm. standard GT3 championship. Yes. You have to balance a performance those GT3 cars against the mother chassis cars and the original construction Jap GT cars. Those latter two classes having less horsepower but far more downforce potential. And you also have to consider that there is still a tire war in this championship, yeah. unlike most cookie cutter bot standard GT3. Good point. Yes. So it is a it is a bit of an interesting game. And yet with all that, you have three very different philosophies of cars, but they all race fairly evenly. And, what, what, and fair play to the technical department for making that happen. The, the GAF, the JAF GT300, we've got a couple of brand new cars uh, in this this year. Yes, these are the successors to the previous mid-engined RV8K-powered Toyota Prius GTs. They're front-engine now. They have the 5.4-liter V8 engine that you've seen in the RCF. Um, They've had a bit of a time The engine's up the front, you said. The engine's up the front now. That's a big change for them. Yes, it's uh, it, that was a loophole in the regulations that they found mm. right before the clock changed from 2015 to 2016. That loophole has been shut. You now have to have the engine in the same place that the passenger car is sold with. So as a result, they're going to front engine. Right. And that's a big change for APR racing because they've been making mid-engine cars since the days of yes. the SW20 MR2. Yes, 20 years ago. That was a great, that was a great looking thing as well. Uh, a Subaru BRZ as well uh, in that category. Yes, from the R&D Sport with Subaru's factory blessing. This is a car that is always good to look at, always quick, but reliability has always been this team's Achilles yes. heel. Not so much the problem of the drivers, Takato Aguchi and Hideki Amauchi, two great hands, Dunlop tires, the car's quick, but can it last the distance and make a consistent championship challenge? The mother chassis cars, these are effectively a stock engine and chassis, although there's different body panels for four different teams. Yes, there are two Toyota 86s, there is one Toyota Mark S, and there is one Lotus Evora. And really, all these cars have in common with their counterparts is the badge on the front (laughs) of the car. Right, right, and there's they are all obviously they are all these two uh, Japanese specific categories have to be balanced with the FIA GT3 cars, which also run in the category, which is is no small feat, uh, to be honest. Let, let's let's talk about uh, a couple of teams that our listeners, I, I'm sure, will understand and remember. Uh, the day station team. We've talked about those guys before in. Super Taiku, um, they're uh, big money, if you will. Certainly the spotlight shone on them for the GT3 return of Aston Martin Vantage to this category with the new shape car, of course. Yes, indeed. D-Station Racing, again, we've mentioned they have J.P. Oliveira and Tomonobu Fuji, who is a very solid GT300 driver in his own right, a former runner-up in the championship. That is a good, good lineup of drivers that they have for D-Station Racing, a team that has loads of resources. They have a fun general manager of the program and Kazuhiro Sasaki, Japanese baseball Hall of Famer, <laughs> Seattle Mariners legend, and now successful race w- racing team director. Also, a returning name, which our listeners will remember, I hope they will, is Team Go with McLaren. And this This is a customer racing team, but kind of looks quite serious by McLaren. Absolutely. And, of course, back before Team Go won the 2004 24 Hours of Le Mans, they changed the game in GT500 as we knew it when they brought in the F1 GTRs with the McLaren factory backing behind them. They dominated the 1996 championship. And their number 720, McLaren 720S, is colored in similar gray and pink to the cars that won the titles in 1996. Wow. It just, it may even look even better on the new car. <laughs> uh, Nissan have gone to six customer GTR GT3s, has added a couple of new teams too. 
Yes. Now they have four existing teams, two cars from Kyoto based team gainer, uh, two privateers from Nils racing, formerly Dijon racing right. and Tomei sport. But the new teams are Kondo racing expanding to a GT 300 effort. This was actually their super Taiku car that is actually backed by student mechanics participating in the Nissan mechanic challenge from Japan. Mega. And they have also brought in from Hong Kong, a team that you may previously know as Phoenix Racing Asia, but under a new name and a new identity, they are X-Works Racing, the first full-time team from Hong Kong. Honda, they've stepped up as well with the NSX GT3 Evo. Uh, we're adding a couple of teams there as well. Yes, Autobax Racing Team Aguri, who've had success with the BMW M6 in recent years, have made the expected... It was a matter of when, not if, they would go back to Honda, but they have, and they brought Team Up Garage, one of the top mother chassis teams, into the fold with Honda customer racing with them. That's interesting. That, they looked very good, the, the Hondas did, in the test at Fuji with them and returning Mojolo Drago Corsa, that's Rio Michigami's team. Uh, that car is poised for victories, maybe multiple victories throughout uh, the season. The the problem is they've got a manufacturer there in Mercedes AMG who've won back-to-back -back championships in 2017 and 2018. Can they do enough to break the dominance of the three-pointed star? It's always it's always a tough question, especially when none of the components of those championship-winning teams have changed. Mm. Good Smile Racing and Team Ukio may be the most popular team in the championship. Uh, because whenever you have Vocaloid character Hatsune Miku adorning your Mercedes AMG with two three-time champion drivers and Nobutera Taniguchi and Tatsuya Kadeoka and team director Ukio Katayama, they've won three of the last eight championships and maybe make a case for the greatest team of all time in this category. And K2 R&D Leon Racing, what a great story they were coming up over seven years from upstarts to champions Haruki Kurosawa, basically the backbone of that team, finally winning a GT300 title after 15 years of trying. And his young co-driver, Naoya Gamo, who I feel might be one of the best, if not the quickest drivers in all of GT300. Outside those marks, we've got three uh, RCFGT3s, a couple of Lamborghini Huracans, an Audi R8 Evo LMS and a Porsche 911 GT3 R991. So plenty of variety there in, in GT3. Of the RCFs, um, the ones to watch, K-Tunes Racing, the number 96, with three-time GT300 champion Morio Nita, partnered with 19-year-old rookie Sena Sakaguchi, a 32-year age gap between their <laughs> two drivers. LM Corsa, the number 60 Centium car, has a new partnership with Dunlop Tires. Mm -hmm. And uh, Panther Arto Team Thailand, the other Lexus team, has brought in Sean Walkinshaw to partner Natapong Horthenkum in their entry. Oh, really? One of the old Toyota Gazoo Racing Team Thailand drivers? Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. You yes. get no points for guessing who the Lamborghinis come from. Isao Noritake's team, J-Lock. They've been yeah. there since the start. They've cleaned the decks in their driver lineup. Only one driver is left from their entire 2018 fleet. And they made big news by signing former Honda factory driver in 2010 GT500 champion Takashi Kogure Ooh. to drive their flagship number 88 this season. The growth of GT3 in the GT300 category is very interesting to me. Does this, does this signal a move towards a more international formula there, do you think? It's always tough to say. What is the future of GT3 three, five years down the road? I mean, when we first saw these cars pop up in the category in 2010, you know, many people didn't know what to expect, but now they are the dominant force yeah. in this category. In some ways, I kind of like it because it, it adds fuel to that GT3 flame that you could go and take your GT3 car and cherry pick some of the greatest races in the world. There's another part of me that kind of would mourn the loss of the GT300 specific Japanese category formula cars that, that are out there. Much as when you go to different parts of the world, you don't see quite as many of 
the territory-specific variants of, of big motor manufacturers anymore where you go, oh, that, that looks like a insert name of large manufacturer here, but it's not quite because you don't get them in your home market. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, it's a good-looking calendar for 2019, starting on the 14th of April at Armour and stretching all the way through to the 24th and uh, 23rd and 24th of November uh, at Fuji with that Super GT DTM special. And in between time, it's Fuji, Suzuka, the Budiram, uh, Chang Super GT race, back to Fuji, Autopolis, which I'd love to go to, Su Sugo and Motegi. It's a pretty balanced calendar. There's no shocks there, RJ. Looking forward to another good season? Absolutely. Uh, the, the 500s of Fuji are going to be exciting as usual yeah. love to see these cars tackle suzuka atopolis yeah. sportsland sugo always brings entertainment and of course it just feels right to have the season start at the former home of the f1 pacific grand prix at okayama and close at twin ring Mategi. but of course in three weeks time you get that special exchange race at fuji mm -hmm. it doesn't count for points but it counts for something that's been in the works for six or seven years since the start the class one steering committee i'm already looking at my diary and wondering whether a few air miles might be spent fuji's one of my favorite places to go i love the drive up uh, from tokyo as well it's just a lovely place to go and watch motor racing you can really feel the history and the passion of anybody who goes there the supporters the crowds love to go there and it's always big with the fans I think I might put that one on uh, on my list of things I might have to do this year if I've got a free wing end off. All right, head on the block. I'm not going to ask you about all the different categories because that would be unfair. But for the big one, the 2019 Autobach Super GT Series, what do you reckon? Which of the three manufacturers are going to dominate? Is there going to be a dominant manufacturer? And if you had to pick a winner, who would it be? I don't think anyone will dominate. I think uh, we'll start to see Nissan claw back some of the advantage that they had disadvantage they lost to Lexus and Honda. It'll be close. But my gut feeling is that it's gonna be a Lexus that wins in the final year of the Lexus brand before Toyota proper takes back over. But nothing would surprise me. And of course, the racing is always going to be exciting. RJ O'Connell, the founder and editor of Super GT World has been joining us here on the RSL network for a preview of this year's Japanese Super GT and Super Taiko events. Thank you for joining us, RJ, and you're welcome on the network anytime. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.